Good, so this morning we're on Daftes in Psochim. 9a, let's figure out what we could have missed on Daftes. So we're dealing with, um, oh, we started dealing yesterday, and to a degree even the day before, we started dealing with the idea of the difference between truth and reality. That they're not the same. Reality, we know, we know that a thing is, or firstly, reality is about things, about objects. They're either real or they're not, and whether they're real or not depends on whether we can sense them. And if we can all sense this table, we can see it, we can touch it and feel it, we can move it, then it's real. The, the object is real. Does that mean that we know for absolute sure that this table is really here and it's not just a figment of all of our ima- collective imaginations? We don't know that. Um, we, we, we can't know that. So we can't know that reality is true. But it doesn't matter. For our purposes, we can use the table, we can put things on the table, uh, because for our purposes, it's real. That's reality. Truth is not objects. Truth is relationships between objects. So truth is, emis lies in the relationship between two people, between a person and an object, between two objects, between a person and the Rebbein Shalom, between the Rebbein Shalom and an object. That, the relationships are true. So you could have two individuals who love each other. Maybe the individuals don't exist. Who knows? They might be figments of our imagination, and the philosophers have talked about that for, for centuries and centuries. How do we know existence even, even exists? They might not exist, but the love, that's real. That's true. So a relationship between an object and a subject, or between two objects or two subjects, the relationship is emes. And, and halacha doesn't deal with reality. Science deals with reality. Science deals with, is this table real? What is it made of? What keeps it together? How does it operate? Etc. But that's the area of science. That's not the area of halacha. The area of halacha is, how do we relate to this thing we call a table? Whether it's a real or it's a concept doesn't matter. The relationship is the same. So halacha deals with how we relate the relationship between people, between people and things, between things and things, and between things and people and Hashem and Hashem and peoples and things. That's, that's what the, where, where halacha operates. And what's important as we learn Gemara is to begin increasingly to think halachically. By thinking halachically, I'm not talking about thinking in terms of, of halacha in, in the sense of what the din is. I'm talking about thinking, the to- thinking a Torah way. How does the Torah think about things? That's really what we need to be doing when, we de- when we're learning Gemara, is de- developing greater capacity to think, to think halachically. And these sugyas, this piece, these pieces of Gemara that we're dealing with are ideal places to immerse ourselves. Unfortunately, we've only got a few minutes, minutes every morning to pick a little piece of it. But, but this daf ches, daf tesis, daf tesis especially, is, um, and then into daf yud, amazing opportunities to see the world very differently and start accustoming one's mind to see the world the way the Torah sees the world. Because when you see the world the, to- the way the Torah sees the world, you'll see different things. You'll see the world differently. You'll see more deeply. You'll see truth, not just reality. You'll be operating in a different world. And the beauty of starting every morning as we do with this is it enables us to take that lens during the day. And you should start finding, Yemir Hashem, that as, the, as you get used to it, your day is different, that you start looking at the day differently. As, you, as the lens starts forming, you start looking at it differently. So if we look at the, at the Mishnah, at the top of Daftes and Medalef, we've got the first example of, uh, of where halacha and reality clash. 
But it doesn't matter, because we deal with halacha, kind of the reality is secondary. What's important is the relationships. Yeah, let's have a look at it and see. So it's a, it's a well-known Mishnah. It seems to be fairly innocuous until you get into it. We're talking about Badikas Chomet. So we know that you've got to check all over. Really, you shouldn't have to check. It's enough just to be a mevatel believer to decide I have no relationship with my Chomets. That's really what, be, what Bir Chomets is. It's to destroy the connection, not to destroy the Chomets. Midoraisa, if you simply say on Erev Pesach, on the night before, the, the time we do Bidikas Chomets, and, and just before Pesach, when we do Bir Chomets, if you simply say, whatever Chomets there is in my house, it's, it's not mine, I have no relationship with it. If you could do that in your mind, it's very difficult to do that, because we're used to being connected to our things. That's why we need Bir Chomets and, and Bidikas Chomets, that we need to know what's there. You could say such a thing, and then you find a $2,000 bottle of scotch, and say, oh my goodness, I, wasn't, I didn't mean this. <laughs> that, that wasn't in my mind. So that's what you've got to do, Bidikas Chomets, to make sure what's there. But the real Bir Chomets is to dis- destroy my connection with Chomets. It's only because we don't trust our ability to destroy our connection to Chomets that we require Bidika and Bir. But, and now that we require it, you've got to check all over, and you've got to check in the cracks and the crevices, and you've got to check anywhere where there could possibly be chomet. And on and on we go as to, as to how important it is to check. Then we have a Mishnah like this. Ein choshishin shema We're not worried that a cat might have brought chomets into the house after we did the bedikas chomets. It doesn't have to be a cat, it could be... A, and uh, 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 any animal or, or whatever. In other words, once we've done the Bidikas Chomets, do we have to become paranoid and compulsive about the fact of, oi, 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 we've just done Bidikas Chomets, it's 24 hours before Pesach, who knows what could still come into the house? Let's hermetically seal the house so that nothing can come in and out. This is the mission not necessary. You don't have to worry about cats bringing chomets in. Why not? So what, again, let's try what we did yesterday. If you were writing the Mishnah, what would you say? Why don't you have to be worried about it? There'd be no end to it. That's what the Mishnah says. You, you're a Talmud Chochem, so that's not fair. If you weren't a Talmud Chochem, you were writing the Mishnah without knowing the Mishnah. What would you like to say? I think I would say, because it's unlikely. How many cats are bringing chomets into the houses? It's not, it's not an everyday occurrence. You don't have to worry about it. That's not what the Gemara says, what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah says, because, because there will be no end to your madness if you did this. You will become a crazy person. Uh, always looking and waiting. It's just the same that of Did it bring it into the yard? Did it bring it to the garden? What happens if you live in a big estate? Do you have to keep on wandering and patrolling the estate to make sure that no, it's just crazy. The Torah, the halacha doesn't require craziness from us. And we'll see that over and over in halacha. When we start acting crazy because of halacha, we're crazy. The halacha doesn't ever require the rachel da'achenoam. The ways of the Torah are pleasant. The Torah will never require us to be to do crazy things. And this would be a crazy thing. The Mishnah doesn't say because it's unlikely. What does that mean? Even if it is likely, you don't have to do it. And not, not if you, as the Gemara goes on to say, not if you know that there was a cat there. But even if it could well be that a cat came there, you don't have to do it. Because it will make you crazy. 
So what is reality? The reality is there might be chomets in your house. A cat might have brought it in after your bedikah. You can be sure at your bedikah that there's no chomets. And an hour after your bedikah, there could be chomets in your house that wasn't there when you did the bedikah. Of course, there could be a case where you did, you did the bedikah and you missed something. That's also possible. But even if you didn't miss anything, it's possible that after your bedikah, there's still chomets in the house. Says the Mishnah, we don't have to worry. So reality, is: could there be chomets? Yes. In reality, there could be a chomets. But in truth, it's not, it's not halachiki chomets. It's not chomets I have to worry about. My relationship to it is not one of isur. And that I that I have to be mavirate and find it. I have to be bedek. I have to find it. That relationship doesn't exist. The chiyuv chiyuv is relationship. Obligation is relationship. Am I obligated to be bedek for the chometz? Is that the relationship I have with this house with this chometz? No, I don't. I don't have to do that. Then the Gemara goes into a, a whole discussion, which we don't have time to read and translate. But many of you will have already seen that. Looking at different cases where you have to worry or you don't have to worry. And one of the cases is a, uh, this is to do with Tuma and Tyro, and there's a ruin, um, or, or it's a, a place where non Jews that, at that time and in that place used to live, and they used to bury their, if they had miscarriages, they would bury the miscarriage in the, in the house, on the property. And that call, would cause problems for Kohanim who might buy the house later on. The question is, do you have to worry about it or not? And, so, and, and if there are animals around, then you don't have to worry, because if there was anything there, an animal would have taken it. And the Gemara says, um, the, the, the Brisa says, If it's a place where cats or pigs wander around, you don't have to worry. They will have found whatever was there, and they will have removed it already. So the Gemara then answers, Oh my Rava, we've got a lot of members of Rava. Obviously Rava was very interested in these sugyas. In that case, we don't know whether there was a miscarriage buried there altogether. And if there was a miscarriage developed there, fetus buried there, maybe the cat has removed it already. So there's a sveik sveik, there's a double sveik. Aval hacha, but here, if you saw a cat coming in, if you know that a cat came in, the Mishnah is talking about, you don't know if a cat came in, you don't have to worry. But if you saw a cat bring chomets in, now you just don't know, did the cat finish the chomets off? Or did the cat leave the chomets there? Then that's a sofik and vada. You've got to, there's a doubt, you, you know there was chomets. You saw the cat bring it in. You don't know if the cat ate it up. Therefore, you have to do a check. Then the Gemara says, and really, every case, is that really true that whenever you know something for sure, and a doubt is then, it then emerges that you, you don't have to worry about the, uh, about the doubt because you've got the, the clear knowledge. The Gemara says something which is amazing in this context. A Talmud Chochem, a Ben Torah, a Frum person, dies and leaves a storeroom full of fruit. And if they, even if they were just picked the day he died, you may assume that Meiser has been taken. Do you know that Meiser was taken? No. Did anybody see him take Meiser? No. Can you ask him if he took Meiser? No. But you can assume. Because halacha deals with assumptions. 
If you don't deal with assumptions, you go mad, you go crazy. Everything we do is with assumptions. We, there's so much we don't know, but we assume. We eat, drink milk. We don't know if it came from a cow that was not a, 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 a cow that, that, that was going to, was a trafer that was going to die within a year. We don't know that. We may assume. It's all about <laughs> assumptions, chazokas. Look at this case, says the Gemara. We know for sure that at some point these fruit were tevel. That means Misa was not taken from them and they were not permitted to be eaten. We know that for sure. When they were picked off the tree and brought into the house, they, they could not be eaten. We know that. The Sophic, Lomu Sorim. And we're not sure whether Misa was taken or not. So we've got a certainty they were Misa. And maybe he took Mises. That's a vadai. There's a certainty versus an uncertainty. That's, the, that's what there is there. The Ka'ati Sofik And there, surely the, the Sofik should, should come and question the vadai, so we should not be allowed to eat these fruits, because we don't know. The vadai ma'asri. That's not a Sofik and a vadai. Listen to this. There is no uncertainty in that case. So look at the case. You've picked fruit off the tree. A man picks fruit off the tree, brings it into his house, dies minutes later. You know for sure that the fruit that was taken, that Misa was taken. Rabbi Chanina Chazor, Rabbi Chanina from Chazor, who said, A Talmud Chacham wouldn't leave something that could cause a person to come to an Avera even for a second. And you know that for sure. It's not maybe. You know that for sure. And look at Rashi on that. In the same way that you know that the fruit was first tevel. It was not miser when it came off the tree. You know that. That's reality. That's how sure you are that the Talmud Chochem took miser. The same level of certainty. Although one is reality and one is assumption. But it's a halakhic assumption that gives you the same level of certainty as, 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 seeing, as knowing something for sure. There's no doubt, and it's not about going after the majority. This is not a statistical assumption. It's an absolute certain assumption about all Tamidichachom. And from there we see, and this requires a lot more discussion, that you see the power of truth of a halachic assumption. Do we know it's real? Do we know that he actually took? No, we've got no evidence. We've got no evidence. But the halacha gives us an assumption that requires us to be as certain. It, it's a requirement. We have to be as certain that, that Maisa was taken as we were that it was Tevil in the beginning. When halacha makes an assumption... When we have a chazoka, we have as much certainty about that assumption as we have when we can sense something in reality. That's the na- nature of halachic truth. And the, the sugya goes on and on. We'll pro- probably deal with one more of them tomorrow, of these cases of where our, our halachic assumptions create reality for us. They create truth for us, and we operate within that because we function in two worlds. We function in a real world, which we assume is real, and things around us, and we function in a halachic world, which is a world of truth. And they're not always fully aligned. And when they're not aligned, halacha tells us how to operate. Okay.